Hello and welcome to the Back to the Pavilion podcast. My name's Hugh and I'm your host for the original podcast that talks to former cricketers about their lives, careers and experiences since finishing playing the game that we all love. This is episode 61 and whether people have played hundreds of matches or just a handful, represented their country or just a game or two for their counties, what they've gone on to since and their stories are equally fascinating. So, if you are new to the podcast or have missed any of the previous 60 episodes, do go back and have a listen. They are all still available for you wherever you get your podcast from. Today, we speak to an Essex legend, an all-rounder who could bowl at 90-plus miles an hour and hit it 90-plus metres. He represented his county in over 500 games, plus the Mumbai Indians, Wellington Firebirds and Central Districts in T20 competitions around the globe. Having shot to fame, scoring 152 of just 58 balls, including an incredible 16 sixes. But to find out about what he's been doing since, join me as we welcome Graham Napier back to the pavilion. Probably October 2015, when the job that I'm currently in, the row, yeah. um, and it was it was too good an opportunity to sort of turn down, knowing that I was getting to the back end of my career. And then we won promotion, and I thought, well. Yeah, I'm barely getting out of bed now after bowling plenty of overs in a day. It was taking me five five minutes to get down the stairs. Uh, so it might be the right moment just to, to hang up the boots. And obviously the, the following year, they go on and win the championship. So uh, probably wasn't the right time to hang up the boots, but it was was the right time at the same time. Was it? Does it? Was there a moment when you just kind of knew? You know, like that's it. I'm done. Um, I think when the, the, the job opportunity came up and then I literally gave my everything that winter and pre-season to make sure I was in the best possible condition for that season, the 2016 season. And going into that, I probably realised that I just wouldn't be able to mentally focus the same and put in the hard work and the, and the dedication that's required just to go into a season. Um, and I love my training and I love my practice, but it was just getting harder and harder to maintain a level that I deemed the highest possible for myself um, and also one that would be high enough for the team to, to, to regard as you know, being part of the squad and being fit enough to be in there. And you, you mentioned the job that's come up. What, what is it you do now? So the, the job, my current job at the school is I'm the sort of school cricket professional. Um, Initially, I, I went in as the master in charge of cricket, um, in charge of admin, uh, organising fixtures, um, uh, literally everything from fixtures to match tees to cricket balls, you name it. The role in, involved a lot, as well as the coaching. And I much prefer the coaching, so I, I now just concentrate on on coaching our youngsters. Uh, we've got a magnificent sort of uh, uh, grounds and sites for the school and facilities. Uh, we've probably got uh, the best part of 700, 750 pupils at the school, partly boarding and uh, and day pupil. Um, so I literally work with some kids who are uh, on the on the verge of county squads or in county squads, and some who are just starting out cricket for the first time. So it covers every aspect of coaching, really, from absolute novice to, to lads who are aspiring to be young professionals. Is the one of those that's more enjoyable? Is it more enjoyable to work with the the, the novices or the the ones closest to the county game? Um, 
both both give their, their different challenges. Uh, when you're working with a novice, it's just getting them to understand and enjoy the game, as well as learn how to bowl and bat and or, or go for all the basics. Um, so I might get a what I would call a 100% gain on one day with a novice, where they've never bowled a, a ball before, and by the end of the session they're looking to bowl straight. To me, that's a huge improvement. And then I might get someone else's on a, on a county squad and 1% gain for them is an enormous gain where they're working on something technical. Um, so it, it's, you get big, big, big um, bonuses at every session, whether it's a 1% gain or one that's 100% gain and, and they're buying into cricket for the first time and enjoying it. How, how much is that enjoyment important to you when it comes to working with youngsters? Is that the key thing for you? Sorry, I, I couldn't quite hear what you said there. Like, how much is that enjoyment important to you when you're working with youngsters? Is that the most important thing? Well, I think the, the, the children reflect sort of uh, the way we are with them. So if you're enjoying the session, they enjoy the session too. So it's making it fun, exciting, uh, different, but covering the, the general basics of the session. Um, so when you see someone bowl... Well, get a wicket, say bowl, bowl someone like yesterday, I was working with a young lad, uh, and he said to me, I can't bowl, so I can't bowl, and I said, of course you can. We went through the basics, and, the, and then five balls later, he actually bowled someone out, and that smile on their face is that little gold nugget that every coach enjoys, where they've just sort of caught the bug of cricket and really want to do more about it and, and learn more. Does that, that, like, that smile on the face, that little gold nugget, does that ever come close to the same buzz as you taking a wicket in your sort of professional game? Um, it's, it's, it's the replacement for those little uh, um, smiles. But I, I think the competitive edge of, of playing every day, day in, day out, um, it's such an enormous um, feeling when you, when you when I hit a four or a six to win the match, take a wicket, um, get a prized enemy out. Um, you know, those those little buzz moments are, yeah, they're very difficult to replace. But seeing the children enjoy themselves uh, and doing well and achieving something they may have never achieved before, it certainly uh, does bring a smile to my face. Was it always going to be coaching for you, Graham, when you when you left the game, or, or was was it always the plan? No, certainly not. Um, until probably about three or four years before I retired, that I actually looked at coaching as an option. Um, before that, I made lots of connections with uh, friends in the city and was looking at different avenues. Uh, going back to 2007, um, I contemplated packing up cricket altogether and, and uh, joining either the fire service or the police force. Um, so coaching was never really on my radar until I started working with a, a friend of mine. He, he phoned me up and said that my son wants to get better. Uh, would you mind coaching him? And, and I said, of course, I don't mind helping. And one winter, uh, we saw some huge improvements from it. And uh, it, I started to get the bug for the coaching. I then did my level three coaching award uh, towards the end of my career. So I felt like I had the qualifications to, as well as the experience to back it all up. And... How you say that you did your level three just sort of not that far before you you retired? How much planning and prep did you do for life after cricket prior to retiring? 
when I was playing, I thought I did loads of prep. And, and when I actually retired, I went into a world, um, and it was a huge catching up experience uh, to just get into the, 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 the working way of everyday life for people in what I would call you know, jobs. Mm. Uh, playing cricket certainly never classed as a job to me. It was a, it was a profession that I loved and would do for nothing if I could afford to live. Um, and then going into an environment where communication is essentially the bulk of it is via emails and uh, uh, not many conversations face to face because that's the way that uh, systems work. I found it very hard initially to, to get my head round, um, but eventually you know, got there in the end. What What would you say were the the biggest differences for you from? life on the field to life off the field was there are the are, are the differences are the similarities i think the similarities would be um i currently work in a team of pe staff and that's like being in a, in a, in a team uh environment and playing for a team you you all got sort of common goals to, to uh in a school environment is to, to make all the kids better and enjoy their cricket uh, in a cricket dressing room it's to win matches and and take wickets to score runs um, but at the same time when you're on the on the road uh, and, and playing cricket living in a dressing room with a, a bunch of guys um, it's a totally different environment altogether um, so just the adaptation to, to working in a normal environment as opposed to sort of living in each other's pockets uh, for six months a year uh, certainly does take some getting used to um, but um, it was one of those situations where you know, you're thrown in. I didn't know anybody who I worked with where when I started playing cricket, I had a bunch of mates straight away. Is there anything that you still really miss from the game? The, without a doubt, the dressing room uh, and the environment, the fun, uh, just the general um, uh, way of life of, of being in a dressing room. It, it's such a... It's, it's 11, oh, 11 guys on the day, a squad of 20 odd guys all working together. Um, there's a lot of Mickey taking um, and just fun to be had. Um, so, certainly missed that aspect as well as the competitive side of, of winning matches. Um, and, and that's the hardest thing to replace, I think, for most sportsmen I've spoken to is that competitiveness. Um, you can go into school and, and try and be competitive, but uh, a lot of the time, it's, it's, you're there to help people improve um, and you want to win your matches when you're playing, but it's not the be-all and end-all, whereas uh, when you're playing professional sport, you're playing for your living. So you, it is the be-all and end-all. Um, and that's an aspect, I think, that uh, all sports, from whatever walk of life uh, they, they, or whatever sport they play, they will miss that competitive edge. Um, and uh, the buzz of a win and, and uh, putting in a performance that helps the team win. Do you do you still play yourself? Do you still have? Do you still put on the whites at the weekend? Um, sad, sadly, I uh, I broke my ankle um, about two years after playing, and I did contemplate. I had I said to myself, I'll take a year out. Um, so when I when I retired, um, I had gave myself a year year off and I thought I'll see where I am in a year and if there's a desire to play cricket then I can look to play cricket um, but after a year I, I pretty much sort of thought no I'm, I'm done now I've, I've enjoyed my career and 
uh, and signed off uh, the way I wanted to sign off. Um, and then any doubts to that were put to, to an end when I, I decided to take up skiing. Never skied before, third lesson in, um, uh, I broke my ankle and I've got, now I've got two pins in it. Uh, so that's put an end to any competitive bowling. Uh, and uh, so that basically put the end of, of any, any playing that I might do. Do you, uh, do, do, do the kids ever at school wind you up and say, come on, sir, bowl at me, see if you can get me out? I, I have had a couple of bowls at the kids. Um, earlier this year, I started bowling again um, as I've got a couple of players that I felt, you know, I could uh, to bowl at a, a medium pace sort of pace and, and they were capable of playing against it. Um, and then one of them hit it back at me so hard that it nearly broke my wrist. So I've stopped bowling again. <laughs> Do they, uh, do they, do they know? You know, Mr. Napier is an ex, you know, first-class cricketer and and Troy on YouTube and things like that. Or is it? Do they sort of not remember you now? Um, there's a few few kids in my school that would certainly know that I play I play cricket for Essex and my career and followed my career. And then there's a, a few that have never watched cricket or know much about cricket. So it's an interesting sort of. Uh, conversation sometimes I sat down with a group yesterday and, and did a bit of a question answer session um, and then you start telling them about your career they ask you questions and some of them seem quite interested then in that they you know they, they find a little bit more about my cricketing career and don't see me as a cricket coach at school anymore uh, but more of an ex-player and a cricket coach. Mm. How much is your when when you are coaching how much is your on-field career useful to you in sort of delivering that coach and even when you're working with youngsters? Invaluable. Um, the experience of playing is something that I, I can relate my experiences to what kids are doing in the nets. So I often talk about bowlers, you know, how you've got to present the seam and, and get the seam upright. If it's not upright or, or balanced, it's not going to hit the seam. It hasn't got a chance of uh, seaming or swinging. Um, and uh, if I'm working with a novice player, it's, it's trying to get the basics in now so that they don't have to then uh, regurgitate it all and, and have to fine-tune it later on. If you start off with the basics and get those right, then uh, you've got them with you for life. Um, and with the experienced players, it's then talking about situations where they might be in, whether it's uh, going playing a, a T20 match um, and they've got to be aggressive from the word go or... It might be seeing out a situation and, and building an innings. Um, and from the bowler's perspective, building pressure on the, on the opposition uh, and force them to make mistakes rather than chasing their game. So they're all from my experiences of, of playing and passing on the knowledge. And the way I see it is uh, if I can get them to fast track uh, the mistakes that I made uh, from trying to uh, uh, force situations with the ball or bat and they actually see a situation through, then my experience has been passed on and they've got better from it. And would, you know, would, would Graham Napier, the player, have been Graham better if he'd had Graham Napier, the coach? Probably not, because I wouldn't have listened. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I'm, I, it's an interesting question. I think probably if I was able to talk to myself um, in my early 20s or possibly even as a teenager... There's a strong chance I wouldn't have listened um, because that was my nature. And then I learned later on in life, you know, the importance of listening to what people have got to say and, 
um, and, and absorbing that information. Uh, so maybe I could have could have talked to myself and talked myself around to, to to not making so many mistakes early on. I spoke to um, Jack Chantry a while back, and he talks about that he found it easier to coach batting than bowling, even though he was predominantly a bowler in the county game. You you again were predominantly bowling, uh, uh, known as a bowler, although you know obviously you know massively skilled with the bat as well. Do you find one discipline easier to coach than the other? I, I, well, the language that's used in coaching uh, for bowling is quite difficult for children to understand. So I found the challenge with bowling is actually breaking words down, to words that kids understand, and then relating it to bowling. Um, whereas batting is quite straightforward. It's, it's grip, stance, moving to the ball. So I, I find batting coaching far easier. Um, and certainly bowling is such a te- technical mm. uh, aspect to get right. And, you know, we could stand there and use all the, the, the correct terminology. If you're dealing with a kid that's never played cricket before, they, it all comes out as gobbledygook to them. Um, and they sort of give you a blank face because they don't know what you're talking about. So I've just found breaking it down into a simple terms and language for, for them to understand. And then they can relate to it and do it and hopefully put it into practice. And when when they do put it into practice, when you you see that coming through, do you think that feeling would be recreated if you were ever coaching at a a high level with county players? Or do you think it's more sort of mindset at a high level? Um, I'd say at county level, generally the players have have got themselves to a, a level where they're good enough to be there. So it's it's working more on, on game plans. Uh, and then in the winter months, you might fine-tune uh, or work on skill sets. But it, essentially, it's about performing under pressure um, at the professional level and being at your best uh, day in, day out. So again, it might be that, you know, uh, teaching people or getting people to understand what you need to do to, uh, to be a professional um, and maintain day in, day out. Um, and that was a process that took a long time for me to understand as a, a young pro. Um, whereas day in, day out for me, a, a huge game for uh, he, he wasn't going straight or um, their action might not be quite right and you work on a little bit with them and suddenly they've, they've understood how to deliver the ball straight. So... Um, I think at the pro level, yeah, definitely, uh, it's it's a smaller one percent gains um, that lead to a player doing well. Or yeah, I played with Dave Masters. There wasn't a lot you could teach him mm. from a bowling perspective. He knew everything inside and out of his own game. Um, so for him, it's motivation, getting him up for the moment. Again, didn't really need much of that anyway. But uh, as a coach, to coach him, it's just managing him day to day. And would that be, you know, the dream for you, a, a county job? I'd, I'd love to get back into the professional game. Um, but at the moment, I've got a very young family, um, mm. two children under two. Um, the life, life on the road at the moment doesn't seem like an option. Um, it, I love, I've loved the last year or so being with my family every day. And uh, for, for me, that's, that's quite important at the moment. But in a few years' time, uh, if I um, had the opportunity, it would be great to, to get back on the, 
on the pro circuit working with professionals um, at, at the highest level. Who was the who was the best coach you ever worked under? The best coach I ever worked with was Chris Silverwood, um, who obviously has gone on to um, be the England coach. But um, he was a really good man-to-man manager, but also a good mate at the time as well. So it was uh, it was great to work with him and see him at the beginnings from a second eleven coach Essex through to first eleven coach, and then uh, succeeding into the England setup as a bowling coach, and then finally the uh, the full role as. Uh, the England head coach, uh, a wonderful man, great guy to work with. And the success he's achieved as a coach, uh, he made everything uh, uh, very simple and very, very understandable for me. Um, I, I go back to my early days when I was a teenager, uh, and it was probably my, one of my first encounters with a, a professional. That was Gordon Lord. Now he didn't coach me as such, but he talked to me um, from a professional aspect, exactly as we've been talking about and helped me understand the game a bit better from a professional's perspective rather than a school teacher's perspective. Uh, so I'd certainly enjoyed those guys and talking to them. Um, and there's a coach at Essex who's been around for such a long time called Terry Charrington. And he was almost like the guy that when I didn't feel quite things were quite right, I could go back to and he'd see something or just do something with the batting uh, predominantly that would help uh, and get me back on track. Do you ever do you ever sort of model yourself on those coaches? Do you ever look and you go, oh, "I'm I'm being like them today," or or is it important? How important to you is it to be yourself when you're doing it? Um, I don't think you can ever get away from being yourself. Um, certainly, working with children, um, they can tell if you're not being you straight away. Um, and other times, you have to sort of play a, not a game, an aspect where you know you've got to talk to them differently to how I would pro- professionals. So there's, there's certain aspects of it, I think, where it, being yourself is the best option um, because that's who you are and that's who you and how you deal with things. Uh, putting a mask on to, to, to be a coach, I don't would, certainly wouldn't work for me. We talked earlier about your, you know, your, those golden moments when you're coaching and those highlights off the field. What were your highlights from your playing career? If there was a Graham Napier highlights DVD. What? What would be on it for you? <laughs> so my number one highlight for me was removing Ricky Ponting's little stump in a, a, a one-day game. Um, and in the same match, I had four in four balls. But that, that one moment of uh, spending a, pretty much my whole professional career watching Ricky Ponting dominate world cricket. Um, and then he came over to play for Surrey. And it's the only opportunity I ever had to bowl at him. Uh, and I bowled first ball was an away swinger and second was an in swinger that beat him and knocked Whittle Stump out of the ground. That was my personal highlight of uh, achievements. And then the the one five two against Sussex, you know, it's one of those moments that um, just not not many players get to experience. Um, uh, I also had the one nine six against Surrey, where I almost uh, got the record of the seventeen sixes, but I was going for. 200 with a six and got out. So I unfortunately missed out on that. Um, uh, four in four balls. Again, same night as the Ricky Ponty match. Uh, it was a hat-trick once against Glamorgan. Um, those little moments. But I think for me, uh, team performances really stand out. So when we won the, the uh, Friends Province Cup in 2008, um, and then the Pro 40 titles that we took, I can't remember the years with, with Essex, Pro 40 titles and then a promotion title 
a couple of times in the championship and again once in the Pro 40. So team success was always the standout for me. And then the personal success that followed was a bonus. Hey, um, we talked before we started recording. I've got a couple of signed photos of you. One of them is of you bowling Ravi Vipara um, when you were both playing down in, in New Zealand, which you both signed <laughs> in one game. How how much fun was that to actually get to bowl against one of your teammates and how much did you remind it of remind him of it when you got back to Chelmsford? Oh I I know it's not my in my nature to remind people of it if I've got them out. Um they know it and that's all it, all that matters. Uh Ravi's a class act and playing against him was tough. Um so uh, that, that was just enjoyable on its own. You talk about those highlights. Do you have memorabilia from your playing days up around the house? If I was to to come to your house, yeah, would, I, I, would I know that um, you're an ex-cricketer? Um, no, you wouldn't, because the the other half doesn't like anything cricket up on the walls. Uh, you'd have to go into my gym uh, to find any sort of cricket memorabilia. So I've got a stump from uh, the one five two night signed up in the gym. I've got a shirt and the bat uh, in the loft. Um, that's all framed up. Um, and that would be about it. Yeah, the other bit of memorabilia I've got is uh, um, the uh, Ryder Cup, um, uh, the Miracle in Medina or Medina. Uh, all the lads, I've got a piece of memorabilia where they've all signed a card, a signed um, uh, a montage of all the players that played in the Ryder Cup at Medina. Uh, so that's that's the other bit of memorabilia that's hung up in the gym. Do you ever still get asked for autographs? Do people recognise you out and about? I got asked the other day and I, I forgot how to do my signature. Um, it was quite embarrassing. <laughs> um, so I had to sort of practice a couple of times um, uh, before I actually signed it. Um, so, yeah, it, there's few and far between. Um, but as a, as a great coach of mine once said, uh, never refuse a signature because one day someone won't ask. I always um, have a look before I interview anyone on eBay that, for anything that's being sold. There's currently one of your shirts from your time in the IPL for sale on there. How much do you think really? someone's asking for a, a, a Graham Napier IPL shirt? Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't give more than £2.50 for one of my shirts. Well, your decimal place is in the wrong point there because they're wanting 250 at the moment for a, a Graham Napier IPL shirt. 250 quid, wow, crikey. I wonder where they got my shirt from. <laughs> you, you want to get in the loft and see what else you've got and uh, make yourself a, a bit of extra cash. I, I'm just trying to think where that shirt's from. I, I don't I don't give much of my stuff away, you see. Um, oh. I, it's all sitting in a bag in, in, uh, in the loft, collecting dust. Of those shirts, you always wore number seventeen. Did that number have any significance for you? Was it? Did you choose it, or was it just given to you? So um, back to when I started playing, um, the squad numbers didn't exist. Squad numbers uh, into into county cricket. Um, the, the first eleven got the, the one to eleven, and then we were given our squad numbers after, thereafter. So I wasn't in the first team squad of that period. Uh, and I got number 17, so it stuck with me. And that's always been my number uh, for, for Essex. And I tried to carry it to other teams as well um, that I played for. And uh, it's also 
on my golf clubs. Uh, my golf balls are all number 17. Uh, I've got some club head covers on my golf clubs with number 17 on. So if anyone looks at my bag, they think I've got three 17 woods. Do you notice other 17s who play different sports now more? Has it sort of grown to be, you know, when you, when you spotted someone else wearing 17, does that, does that sort of perk your interest in them? Um, yeah, slightly. Uh, if you see the number 17, you always want to do well. But, um, uh, yeah, I don't follow too much to, to, that I'd uh, have a favourite number 17 from anyone else. Oh, is, that, what, is there a, a funniest moment in cricket for you, Graham, that you, you look back on that was one of those times that just you, you ended up with tears rolling down your face or anything like that? Is there a, a moment that stands out for you as the funniest moment for you? For me, there was a moment of huge embarrassment early in my career. Um, I, I, recalling back, I must have been 17 or 18. Um, Keith Fletcher, this is, this is when it happened. There was no mobile phones back then. He, Keith Fletcher was the Essex coach. He phoned up my dad uh, to contact me and, and say uh, he'd like me to do 12th man for Essex. Uh, I think it would have been one of the cup matches early in the season, May maybe. Um, would I like to go to Lords in the morning, uh, catch a train in, um, and uh, do 12th man for the side. So, obviously, uh, jumped at the opportunity to, to go and be part of the first team at Lords and uh, made my way to, to the ground. Uh, and straight away, you know, absorbing uh, uh, the atmosphere of Lords for a cup match, Essex Middlesex early season. Started off a bit overcast and chilly, uh, so all the lads back then had the sort of... Uh, horse blanket jumpers uh, they've all gone out to the field and those and suddenly the sun came out and it warmed up and I got the signal for drinks and to take off a few jumpers and as I got out to the middle was, again back in the day we had a jug and plastic cups there's no water bottles back then uh, so I got out to the middle carried out the drinks and the lads start stacking these jumpers on my shoulders with long sleeve jumpers stacked on my shoulders a couple short sleeves tucked under my arms and trying to walk off with a tray full of uh, cups and, uh, and a jug that are blowing around in the wind. And I, literally every time I went to pick up a cup, a jumper fell off. It you know, went on and forwards, back, all the way back to the pavilion, dropping jumpers and picking up cups. As I got into the, uh, the members' gate, I got a small round of applause from the handful of members there watching uh, for quite a cop what was very, a very embarrassing moment. One that most people won't probably ever remember, but... Uh, yeah, I came back to the dressing room and, uh, and the, the coaches take the mickey out of me for it. Did that, did that spawn a nickname or anything like that? Or was it uh, just, did the players give you grief when you got, when uh, we they were got playing, as well? So we were, we were playing in Swansea uh, against Glamorgan. Um, I'm running into bowl and it probably wasn't my first fellow's day. And look around to lads and who's George? Um, so I got back to the end of my mark, and uh, the very next ball, the entire team started shouting out, come on, Georgie boy. And um, I had George stick for me from there on until I retired from playing. And do, do you get confused now if someone calls you Graham and you used to them calling you George? Is that, um, do you look around as if to say, who's that? If, if, I'm in the, if, I'm in, if I go to Chelmsford, and I see any of the lads, um, they immediately refer to me as George. And uh, I know instantly know if, if uh, outside of that environment, 
in Napes or Graham or, or Sir in the school, obviously. I always ask Graham, what, what advice would you give to a, a young player starting out in the game now? First, most best part is enjoy the game. Learn, you know, love the game. Um, it's such a good game to play. It teaches you so much about life in general um, and play with a smile on your face. Uh, whether you get 0, 100, no wickets or 5, um, always play with a smile, smile on your face and enjoy it. Um, it's the best way to play the game. And what about a player coming towards the end of their career? What advice would you give to them? Well, good question. Right in work life, whether they want to be a, an entrepreneur or a, um, a working for, in an office environment or go to a school, just make sure you know how offices work uh, and working environments outside of professional sport because they're so different to being in a dressing room. Um, and, uh, and so uh, as much work experience as you can get, really, um, outside of the sporting environment. Um, because once you retire, you, you, your playing career is very short compared to your working life. Um, unfortunately, cricket, we, we don't earn enough where you can sit back and retire. Uh, best bits of advice Jeremy Snape gave me um, was along the lines of, um, you could probably have to do 10 things you hate to find one thing you love. Um, and then when you find that one thing you love doing, go out and get it. Go out and do it. Would you say that was the secret to a, a happy retirement from playing cricket, finding that one thing you love? If you're not enjoying what you're doing and you're just doing it and, and getting by, then it doesn't make any sense to me that that's what you do. Um, you know, for me, I'm in a fortunate position. I play or they, they get employment in an industry that say they've always wanted to do. Um, but make sure that you enjoy what you do and make the most of those opportunities. And then, you know, last question for me is the like the job interview question. What's what's Graham Napier doing in five years' time? What's the what's the plan for your future? I'd like to see myself still at the Royal Hospital School, working, uh, coaching and working with the kids. Um, and uh, well, I suppose in in five years' time, uh, my youngsters will start looking start to play cricket themselves, um, and that could be a full time job, coaching them or whatever whatever sport they want to play. Well, they might not want to play sport; they might want to do something totally different. Um, but yeah, for me, I'd, I'd like to still be working in the job I'm currently doing uh, and, and hopefully have nurtured along a few players that have gone on to, to the professional game. I loved hearing Graham's thoughts on the game, on coaching and his overall outlook on life. The pupils of the Royal Hospital School in Suffolk are very lucky to have him and I have no doubt he will achieve his ambition of having worked with kids who go on to play the professional game. Next time on the Back to the Pavilion podcast, We talked to a player who represented Gloucestershire, Surrey and Sussex in his career. Renowned as one of the best white ball bowlers of his generation, he's gone on to have a successful coaching career and has now landed the top bowling coaching job in the country. So join me next time as we welcome John Lewis back to the pavilion. That's all from me for today, so be kind, take care of yourselves and others. Bye bye for now.